dismiss right now and head back. So glad each and every one of you are here this morning and um, just want to thank you for coming and having an opportunity to share in this time together. If you have your Bibles today, uh, I would invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. And I, I want to share with you a message this morning entitled, The Discipline of Personal Prayer. The Discipline of Personal Prayer. I believe that the power of prayer is the greatest unused resource in the church today. I believe that we do not pray as we should and as we seek to live the Christian life the way that God intended us to live, as we talked about last week, living with no fear, in full confidence in Him, we must be a praying people. As I go through God's Word, I cannot find any record of the apostles asking Jesus to teach them to teach. The scripture says that he was a master teacher. And yet nowhere do we find the apostles saying, Lord, teach us to teach like you. We, we want to be teachers like you're a teacher. Jesus performed incredible miracles in their presence. I can't find any record that says the apostles asked him, Jesus, teach us to do miracles like you do miracles. Show us how to do what you do in these miracles. We know that Jesus drew incredible crowds, thousands of people to come listen to him. And never do we find anywhere in the scriptures that it says, Jesus, how do you draw these people? Teach us how to get so many people to come and listen to us as they listen to you. He was a leader among leaders. And we don't find anywhere in God's Word that they say, Jesus, teach us to lead like you lead. We want to be a leader like you. But we do find in God's Word that the apostles turn to Jesus and they ask Him, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't ask for any of these other things. Lord, show us how to do this. Teach us how to do that. Demonstrate that they didn't ask any of those things. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus taught them to pray. He taught them first by the example of his own life. We find multiple times in God's word where it says that he went out early in the morning while it was still dark. We find times in God's word where it says that he prayed all night long. We find places in God's Word where it says that He removed Himself from the crowd so that He might have time to fellowship with the Father and pray. Over and over and over again, we find Jesus giving them the example, demonstrating to them what a prayer life should be like. And then we also find Him instructing giving them a teaching about prayer life. And we find that in Matthew chapter 6. And so we want to read there together this morning. And if you have your Bibles, I hope you do. If you open there, read along with me. And it says this, beginning the very first verse. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. 
thing Jesus is instructing them is the things that you do in relationship to righteousness. The things that you do in relationship to living the way that you should, in relationship to the teachings of my word, he says, don't practice them before men in order for them to recognize what you've done. Don't let that be your motivation. Because if you do, he says, then that's all the reward you get. There's no reward for the Father who is in heaven. When therefore, verse 2, you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. Now he's teaching on giving. And he says, when you give, don't do like the hypocrites. And in other words, announce it and let everybody know and see what you've done in regards to your giving. He says, because if you do, he said, that is your reward. For people to see that you've given and how much you've given and all of those things and to notice that, if that's your motivation, he said, you have your reward in full and there is no full reward for the Father in heaven. But listen to verse 3. He says, but when you give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now your alms may be in secret, that your Father who sees in secret will that the reward that comes from giving is when we give and no one knows we did it, except the Father. And then the blessing of the reward comes from the Father. Doesn't come from people. Doesn't come from people going, oh boy, aren't they so wonderful? They gave this big gift. Or, or boy, they, they just give so regularly. They're so faithful. And he says, if, if that's what your motivation is, for people to recognize your giving, whether it be time, talents, or treasures, if, if it's to get people to see what I'm doing, he said, then that's all the reward there is. There is no other reward. And he said, we do it in secret. We do it so that no one else knows except the Father that the Father will reward you, will repay you. And when you pray, here's what we want to pick up. When you pray, you are not to be as the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners. In order to be seen by men, truly I say to you, they have the reward in full. So here's this principle again. If we're doing it for people to recognize and for people to honor us for what we've done, then he said that's all the reward there is. He said if that's enough for you, then great. He said, but if you want the blessing of God, he said you need to be conscious about how you're doing things. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door... Pray to your Father who is in, in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will repay you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then in this way. So he gives them some instruction, and then he gives them a model. He says, pray then in this way. My Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power of the Lord, forever and ever. Amen. For if you forgive men for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also now, we read through that, and we recognize that as what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. 
But there is so much more in this passage of Scripture for us to learn about our prayer life, about what it means to be praying people in relationship to the Father. And notice everything that he teaches us here in regards to giving, in regards to, to all that we do, in regards to praying. He says, if you do it so that people will see you do it and honor you for it, he says, that's all the blessing of but he said, if you do it in secret, if you do it so that it's just between you and the Father, then he says, the Father will give you a great reward. It's not the reward that you hear the applause of men. It's not the reward that people talk about how wonderful you are. He said, he will reward you. And he will reward you in a great way that can only come from the Father. And so there are some things that I want us to learn about the secret to prayer life today or the discipline. between you and the Father. 
get by yourself. And when you pray to the Father in secret, you will reward you. Second thing I learned from this is this is my prayer life simple. Verses seven and eight talk about the simplicity of my prayer life. That is just it's just a, a simple communication. He says, Listen, they like to stand up in front of everybody and make a big show. They like to stand up in front of everybody and sound the horn and let everybody know that they're there. And then they want to pray and they want to be eloquent in their speech and they want to repeat it over and over and over again. Maybe more they'll know that God will listen to me and God will hear me if I say it multiple times over. There's such an incredible example of this in the Old Testament Scripture. You don't need to turn there. You'll be familiar with the story. First Kings chapter 18, beginning verse 17. It's the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Remember the story? So, so the people were struggling. In fact, Elijah asked the question, how long are you going to struggle between these two? Worshiping Baal or worshiping the true living God? If you're struggling between this, how long are you going to keep this up? And so he goes and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to give us two calves in order to be, be off offered, to, to be offered and sacrificed on the altar. And he says, the prophets of Baal, there were 450 prophets of Baal. And he said, I want you to take it, build your altar, make your sacrifice. And here's the only thing, I don't want you to have any fire. And I want you to pray and ask your God to send down the fire to, to the altar. Okay? And so the prophets of Baal go out, the scripture says, in the morning. <clears throat> they build the altar, they put the cap on the altar, they get everything ready to go, all cut up, everything ready to go. And they just start to call on their God to send down fire. And guess what happens? Nothing. No fire. And they pray, and they pray, and they call on God, and they get louder, and they shout, and they go all the way till noon. Now it's noontime. Elijah begins to talk them a little bit. I don't know about this. A little bit of trash talk, right? He says, hey, listen, maybe your God's asleep. Why don't you get a little bit louder so you can wake him up and he'll answer your prayers? I mean, man, that's some trash talk, right? He's in your face. Listen. Go ahead. Wake him up. Get a little louder. And so what do they do? They do exactly what he says. They get a little bit louder. They begin to shout. They begin to, and suddenly the scripture says, and evidently it's something in their real worship, they begin to cut themselves so that they begin to bleed. It says the blood gushes out. 450 of these guys. They're doing everything they can. They're calling on their God to send down fire. And nothing happens. So the evening sacrifice time, which is 3 o'clock, they start in the morning. They've gone all day long. It's 3 o'clock. 450 of them. They're praying over and over and over and over. God, our God, Baal, sit down fire. There's no fire. Nothing happens. Guess what? Now it's Elijah's Elijah walks up and he says, hey, take a walk. Just grab those pails. Go give me some water. Takes water and pours it all over the altar. Takes water. There's a trench around it. Fills it up with water. I mean, this thing's doused. It's kind of like we've been over the last, you know, few weeks. It's just water on water water. It just keeps coming. And he's just got this water. Everything's doused. Everything's wet. It's saturated. It's soaked. Praise one prayer. Simple call to God. He says, God, I want these people to know who you are. And I'm not asking this for me. I'm asking this for you. He said, if right now, simple prayer. You would send down fire from heaven and burn this offering so that they will know that you are the true living God. So we pray. Did you repeat it? When multiple times you didn't shout, you didn't 
simple prayer. He asked God to do what he felt God needed to do at that moment at that time. Guess what happened? The scripture says that the fire came from heaven and it consumed everything. It not only the sacrifice, not only the wood, the stones, the water, everything was completely destroyed and, and, and just it was burnt to a crisp and ashes fall. <coughs> We don't have to shout. We don't have to scream. We don't have to dance. We have to, listen, they had all of this fanfare. And they were calling on their God to do something, and their God did not deliver. Why? Because it wasn't sure they did not. Elijah prayed one simple prayer. He repeated. It was a multiple request. He simply said, God, this is what needs to happen right now so that these people will know that you are the true make it more complicated than it has to be. A prayer like used to be worshipful. Verse 9 introduces to that our Father which art heaven, hallowed be thy name. Worship you. Worshipful hearts when we come to prayer. Prayer is not something that we're in pain. Prayer is not something that, that, that we're, you know, we're in a jam. We need help out. Okay? You know, it's, it's one of those things he says we need to be in the worship that our Father which We need to have a worshipful attitude. We need to come to His presence. And we need verse 10 talks about, I'm sorry, it's not verse 10, sorry, verse 9. And then in the latter part of verse 15, it talks about being worshipful in our prayer life. That we come with our hearts in tune with the Father. Next thing I see is this is our prayer needs to be submissive. Verse 10 talks about that. And, and as he talks about that in verse 10, remember what he says. Listen to these words because I, I think this is such a powerful statement for us to know, recognize, and understand. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Whose kingdom? His kingdom. Whose will? His will. Not praying for our will. Not saying, God, this is what I want. God, this is what I need. Here, here's my shopping list of all things I want you to provide for me in life. He says, what is your will? Thy will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Our prayer life needs to be about what God wants for us. Not about what we want from God. Our prayer life needs to be about recognizing that we are to submit to Him and His authority and His leadership and that we need to follow His direction. And oftentimes we come into our prayer life and we want to pray for all the things that we want God to do for us. I need you to take care of this. I need you to take care of that. I need you to provide here. I need you to provide there. I want you to watch over my family. I want you to do... We've got all this list. And not, not that anything's wrong with those prayers. But we need to connect those prayers to God's will. Thy kingdom be done, not my kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, not my will. Your will be done. And so we need to have a submissive attitude when we come to prayer. That this is about what God wants in my life, not about what I want God to do for me. And so we need to pray our prayers need to be practical. Do you hear what he said? He gave us this instruction. Give us this day our daily bread. That's pretty practical, isn't it? Just keep it from being hungry. Didn't ask for steak and potatoes and all the trimmings. Didn't ask for just the basics. Give us this day our daily bread. What we need to be sustained today. What we need to survive daily this moment. Not what do I need for the next 10 years? Not what do I need for the next
face is history. Uh, tomorrow is a mystery. All we have is today. Give us this day our daily bread. Past is the past. We don't know what the future holds. Let's just be practical. Thanks for that. Let's deal with today and the moments that are before us and, and be practical in our prayer life. Our prayer life needs to be repentance. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our trespasses. Forgive us for, for that which is wrong in our life, that which we've done is wrong in our life. Forgive us our trespasses. And, and we need to pray with repentance in our heart. We, we need to pray seeking God's forgiveness. And, and when I talk about that, it's not just, well, Father, forgive me my sins. We need to be real. Now we talk about real earth. We need to talk about our sins. We need to be honest about it. He already knows what so we need to name our sins. Father, forgive me. I, I lied to someone today. I lied before you and I lied to someone about something in my life. God, God, forgive me for lying. God, I covenant today. I saw something that someone else had and I wanted that for me. And, and I was jealous of the fact that they had it and I didn't have it. And so there is covetous in my heart. Forgive me that. We need to be real about our sin. And we need to seek his forgiveness for that sin. And we need to talk to him about it and ask him to help us in how we deal with that sin. How do I deal with that sin? Number one, I want your forgiveness for it. Number two, you said that you would send a helper. We talked about that last week, right? You said that you would send a helper that would help people live life so that they have to live in fear. God, I need that helper to help me deal with that. I need that helper to keep me from lying when, when I'm tempted to lie. I need that helper to help me not covet when I'm tempted. I need that helper. I need him to help me. God, I need help with that. And then, God, as I'm praying to you and I ask forgiveness for your sins, and I ask you to send your helper to help me to deal with those things, God, I ask you to help me forgive myself. I ask you to help me forgive myself. How many of us are still living in the struggle with this weakness? I love that song. Again, listen to your years. Lies about my past. Things that are
And Rhoda goes to the door. Sometimes we see Rhoda. It's a bad, bad deal, you know, but we see Rhoda. Rhoda goes to the door. Rhoda says, who's there? And the other side, she hears the voice of Peter. They were praying for God to deliver Peter. And she hears the voice, and guess what? She wasn't expecting to hear his voice. She wasn't expecting that God was going to do what they were asking him to do because she turned around and she went back to the other people and she didn't open the door and let Peter in. She went and said, hey, guess what? Peter's at the door. She didn't open the door and let him in because she she wasn't expecting that to happen. They were all called off guard. When we pray, we need to pray expecting God to do something. And sometimes we pray and we think, yeah, he'll do that, he'll do that, he'll do that. Down the road somewhere, we never pray expecting God to do something. We don't pray expecting God's going to deliver the blessing or the answer to that prayer this moment. And that's exactly what they were doing. They were gathering the room and saying, God, we want you to deliver Peter. Please deliver Peter. Please save his life. Don't let him get executed. They were praying for that. And all of a sudden, he's knocked at the door because God has done exactly what they're asking to do. They didn't expect it. They were called off guard. And we pray. We need to pray expecting God to do things. Expecting him to do it. Remember, if we're praying in his will, not our will, not God, you know, give me that million dollars, or not talking about those things. Talking about thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And when I'm praying in God's will, when I'm praying real, getting real with God about my life, when I'm doing all the things that, that he laid out for us in this model prayer, then he says, You need to pray, be praying, expecting. Expecting God to do something. Jesus, when the disciples asked, the only thing they asked him to teach him was what? Lord, 